So what we're going to do today and Sunday, this is kind of a two-part thing, and you're going to see how it's connected on Sunday. I'm not going to get into that today, but we're going to tell this story of Good Friday and the story of Easter in, a, in a, um, an unconventional way. We're actually going to be spending most of our time talking about a different story, which is actually pointing to the same story. And for me, the reason why this is so amazing to me is these things that I'm going to share tonight and Sunday are perhaps the greatest, if I could use the word proof, that the scriptures we have, the story that we celebrate is of God and not of man. If anyone ever says, and it's a common thing you'll hear people say, it's just a bunch of stories written by man, um, you're going to see tonight that's not the case. Um, Father God, help me, lead me. Um, to communicate how awesome you are and help us get a, a glimpse of your truth and also your character, God. Um, through what has been written and through what has happened um, by your hand. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're actually going to be spending a lot of time in the Old Testament today and Sunday. The book of Judges, chapter 13, beginning verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So I think Westview actually some years ago did a series on the book of Judges. Maybe some of you were there. There's a reoccurring theme in the book of Judges. Happens over and over and over and over again. God saves his people. His people forget. And they turn to idols, they turn to sin, and God gives them over to that, and they become slaves. And um, then they cry out, God, help us, help us. And God sends someone to help them. And that's the reoccurring theme. People need salvation, they cry out to God, and God sends a deliverer, a savior, someone to help them. Well... The way that it played out this time, the Philistines were ruling the people. God gave the people into the hands of the oppressors, the Philistines. And well, let's keep reading. You get to verse 2 of Judges 13. It says this. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. All right, so if you don't know, this was written uh, about, this, this took place about a thousand years before Jesus, so 3,000 years ago. But what you're going to see again and again, this is telling the story of Jesus in a hidden way. Jesus is hidden in this story. And you might think, okay, well, you're just kind of reading Jesus into it. No, you're going to see that Jesus is hidden in this story, and once you see it, you're going to know clearly someone planned all this. Someone hid Jesus in this story, proving, proving that the story, the plan, was Jesus all along. So here you have a barren woman, and an angel shows up, and he gives a pronouncement of a miraculous birth. This, if you know the New Testament, this should sound familiar. It's the same way the New Testament starts out. The, the, an angel comes to, 
to foretell a miraculous birth, and much of the wording is the same. He will save his people. In the New Testament, it's he will save his people from their sins. But in this context, it's saving them from the Philistines. So you will conceive, you will bear a son, and he will save his people. Same thing in the New Testament, right? This stuff about um, don't drink, um, you know, he's not going to cut his hair. This is uh, um, known as a, a Nazarite vow. There's three things about Nazarite vows, and that's something else, by the way. Uh, when you think of a Nazarite, the, usually the first thing comes to mind is Jesus of Nazareth. Like, once more, this is pointing to someone else, this story. So three things about a Nazarite vow, real quick. Uh, a Nazarite, they're, they're people that were set apart for God and they had certain unique things. One of them, don't drink alcohol. Another one, don't touch any dead body. And the third one, uh, don't cut your hair. And so there's probably a long conversation we could have about that, but we're just going to move on. That's, this boy is going to be a Nazarite, okay? So um, the child is born. His name is Samson. Once more, about 3,000 years ago, the boy was born in accordance with the... the the promise made by the angel. Um, he grew up, and uh, we'll pick it up in chapter 14, verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now, get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all the people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. So uh, some other things about Samson. You're going to learn this is a man of wild passions, okay? This is a man of wild, wild passions, specifically for Philistine women. <laughs> and which is odd because the Philistines were ruling over them. This is a man with a burning love, in, and I'll tell you, in an unstable way. Samson was a very unstable man, a wild maniac of a man, if I could use that word. He was a maniac, but he had a all... He had a, a driven love for Philistine women, which is very interesting. Once more, Jesus came. Well, we, we talked about this uh, uh, last Sunday when we considered the Song of Solomon. And the week before, God sent his son, and in doing so, he showed his love for his enemies. That he would have his enemies be his bride. And you're going to have to remember last week, if you... If you Jesus is the husband of the church, and we, sinners, called in uh, to be his people. But um, we're just going to keep going. So uh, I, I, I'll fill you in on what happens after this, because it's kind of long, and um, we only have so much time. So his parents are pretty much afraid of Samson, it seems like. And so they're like, okay, um, we will go and try to secure this Philistine woman to be your wife. On the way there, Samson's by himself and he sees a lion, kills it with his bare hands pretty easily. It was an easy thing for him to do because Samson has a special anointing from God. And so, kills a lion, all in a day's work, goes, um, 
talks to this woman. Her parents agree, yes, we'll do this marriage. On his way home, Samson sees the dead lion, and there is a, a beehive in it. And he goes in, and he just reaches in. He's not supposed to touch dead bodies. He's a Nazarite. But what you learn about Samson is he doesn't really care. He does what he wants, okay? Uh, he reaches in and picks up some honey, eats it. It's weird. There's honey in this dead lion. Oh, well. Uh, the next day or however long later, he goes back for the wedding feast. And he has a feast with the Philistines. And the word that's translated feast, what it literally means is they had a drink. They, they drank. It was a drinking party. Which, once more, Samson, you're in Nazareth. You're not supposed to do that. And once more, Samson doesn't really care. He does what he wants. He's not a... He's not a... a He's not a good Christian. <laughs> Let's put it that way. He's, he just isn't. He's not a good, he's not a good rule follower. He's not a very religious person. He doesn't really seem to care. And so uh, they're having this drunken party, and at some point they make a, a drunken wager, a bet, Samson with the Philistine guys, and says, I'll tell you a riddle, and if you get it right, you, I will give you 30 changes of clothes. And uh, if you can't solve my riddle within seven days, you gotta give me 30 changes of clothes. And, you know, they agree. And he says the riddle is, out of the eater, something to eat, and out of the strong, something sweet. And what he's talking about is that honey inside the lion, you know, um, out, of the, out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet. And you can actually kind of do a little like, um, this is getting more into the text than probably have time for, but there's also a little symbolism there where Samson is a mighty, mighty warrior who is strong and in many ways callous, but you're going to see from him something sweet also. Um, so anyways, um, they can't solve the riddle. The, the Philistines can't solve the riddle. Eventually, they threaten Samson's new wife. If you don't get that riddle out of him, we're going to kill you. And so she kind of badgers him to try to solve, tell me the secret of the riddle. And she says, if you really loved me, if you really loved me, you would tell me. How can you say you love me? How can you say you love me if you won't tell me the riddle? And Samson, he's so strong. He's a maniac. But he, he so much wants to have this trust relationship. He's hungry for love. He wants to believe her. He wants to trust her. And so he tells her the secret. She goes and tells the Philistines. The Philistines come. We solved your riddle. And they tell him. And Samson gets all angry. He calls his new wife a heifer. And he storms out of there. That's, that's literally what it says. Um, Samson's, some of you are thinking, what does this have to do with Good Friday? Just, you just stick around, okay? All the Bible is written by God, and it all points to Jesus. So, anyways, they, uh, uh, Samson leaves, the father of Samson's wife thinks that Samson doesn't want her. I mean, 
he has reason to think that, the way, you know, Samson took off. So he gives her to one of the other Philistines to be, to be his wife. After some time, Samson comes to his senses or finds himself hungry for love, more likely, and he brings himself a young goat and he goes back to his wife. A young goat, kind of the, um, the ancient equivalent to chocolates and flowers and <laughs> I'm really sorry for calling you a heifer, you know, like apology card type thing. And uh, well, he learns that she has been given to someone else to be their wife. Samson, um, uh, oh, oh, forgot to tell you this little detail. The 30, uh, the 30 clothes, changes of clothes that he had to give the Philistines, he just goes into a Philistine village and kills 30 Philistines just on his own, like very easily for him to do. He's, once more, Samson is anointed with the power of God. And uh, he, he kills 30 people and gets the clothes and pays off his debt. So now he's mad because they gave his wife to someone else. He grabs a bunch of squirrels, foxes. He grabs a bunch of foxes and he ties torches to their tails and just lets them loose in the Philistines' fields and like burns all their grain. Typical Samson. They get mad. They go and they... They kill his wife or ex-wife, whatever you want to call it. They kill her and her family, the Philistines. And then they go and they meet with the Hebrews, the leaders, uh, the, the, the elders of the Israelites. They go and they meet with them and they say, you need to give us Samson. Um, and actually, let's, let's just pick it up there. Judges 15, verse 11. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered. I merely did to them what they did to me. <laughs> so far from the heart of God. Um, they said to him, We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed. They answered, we will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. Okay, so what's gonna happen real soon is you're gonna see what might be the weirdest story in the Bible, certainly of them, there's a lot of odd stories. You're gonna see a very weird story become amazing because this story is weird. And the biggest question is, the biggest question is, God, why did you give this maniac so much power? And you're going to see him with more power. Why did you do that? And for a thousand years, I tell you, the people had no idea. <laughs> they knew that it happened. They knew this was scripture. They did not know what to do with this story. But in Jesus, we're going to see this story and we're going to understand this story and it's become amazing. So, oh my, oh my. What just happened is 3,000 Israelites come to Samson and say, we need to bring you to the Philistines. Quick question, why did they bring 3,000 people? And the answer is obvious. They knew Samson's power, which begs a question. 
if you knew his power, why didn't you get behind him as leader? But instead, why did you give him over to your oppressors? And Samson allows himself to be bound. Samson doesn't, he could just, he could kill all of them. He allows himself to be bound and handed over. The man who was sent to deliver them is rejected by his own people and given over to the Gentiles. It's the same story of the New Testament. And the one who has the blessing and the power of God allows himself to be given over. Once more, it's the same story. And just keep listening because we're really just getting started here. So they hand him over to the Philistines. Um, what happens then, and I'll just let you know, Samson gets into the Philistine camp. He sees a, a jawbone of a donkey on the ground, and he picks it up, and he kills a 1,000 Philistines with that jawbone of a donkey. And that's, that's Samson. Um, he's anointed with the power of God. Then Samson said, with a, after he did this, he kind of sang a song. This was kind of a song. Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. You can kind of see who the hero of this story is, is Samson. And Samson is just so prideful. Like, Samson, if you had the power to do that, obviously it didn't come from your hand. Obviously someone gave you the power to do that. But Samson is really, he's a, he's a prideful maniac. You, you can't get around that. Well, then Samson, uh, he starts to get thirsty Killing a thousand men with your bare hands in the desert sun can make a man kind of parched. And so he, uh, well, he gets thirsty. Verse 18, because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. You have given your servant this great victory. Must they now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called Enechok, and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. And here's something that you see. God helps those who cry out to him. If there was ever a fellow who did not deserve God's help, it was certainly Samson Yet Samson has more of God's blessing, at least when it comes to power, than pretty much anyone. This tells us something about God and the relationship with God that a sinner can have, that it really isn't about you. It really isn't about how sinful you are. It's about him and his goodness how does the scriptures go? Call on me on the day of trouble and I will deliver you, says the Lord, and you will glorify me. Crying out to God. The, the, the very thing, and I'm convinced of this, the very thing that separates God's people from those who are not God's people is in their heart, God's people cry out to God and we ask for help. He is a saving God. It's, it's the only way to know him. So God overlook Samson's sin 
And he gives him water. And then it says, verse 20, I, I read it already, Samson led the people for 20 years. What it literally says is Samson judged the people, his, the people of Israel, uh, meaning he ruled over them as a judge and a ruler. So get this. The one who was sent to deliver them, they rejected him. They gave him over. And he returned to be their judge. Just, just track with me. The one whose birth was foretold by an angel, it's always my children, you know that? It's always my children. So it's okay. It's okay. I love them, but it's always my children. Well, now they're quiet, see? His birth was foretold by an angel. He was anointed with the power of God. He was sent to be their savior. They rejected him. They gave him over. He allowed himself to be bound. Yet he returned to be their ruler and judge. And if you don't know the whole story, Jesus is returning. Uh, he came to save us. He was rejected. He was given over. He is, he's returning to be king. But there's more. There's so much more. And we're going to make it to the Black Friday. We're going to make it to why I'm talking about this today. Okay, chapter 16. One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no, more, they made no move during the night, saying, at dawn we'll kill him. Samson has learned nothing, and he's going to continue to learn nothing um, when it comes to he's back to his old Samson ways, driven by passion. Um, he's, once more, he's not a good Christian, is he? Uh, he's, he's with a prostitute, a, a Philistine prostitute, and they've surrounded him. They shut the gates. This time they think they've got him. Verse 3. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them up to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Okay? He just grabs Samson power, you know, grabs the gate, puts it on his shoulder, and just carries it up to the hill of Hebron. And this is amazing. This is amazing. And you might not see it. Like I said, those hidden things, it's hidden. But once you see it, you're like, oh, someone planned that. Oh, someone planned that. And for this case, I thought, I found actually a picture. I thought I'd just show you a picture. This is uh, from the 19th century painter, Sir Frederick Leeton. There's Samson. There's Samson carrying that gate up the hill. That's the specific way it's said. It says uh, he carried it to the top of the hill. Samson could have dropped it. He, I mean, I think you're faster without the gate on your back, but for whatever reason, it says he carried it on his shoulders up the hill. And here's another painting for a few hundred years earlier from the 16th, 16th century by Italian painter Tin Tin Otero. And now you can see the point that I'm trying to make. This is Jesus um, carrying his cross up the hill. Same thing. And what, what, what Samson carried on his back was a gate. And that can mean a couple things. You know, Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the gate. The gate uh, uh, of heaven why, by which a man may enter the kingdom of heaven. And not only that, they had, they had Samson surrounded, thinking we have him. But Samson just bursts forth right up the hill. And Jesus said, 
I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell are not gonna prevail against it. Not gonna be able to stop my church, my power. And so Samson carries the gate up the hill. Um, Keep going. Um, Verse four says, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So uh, once more, Samson fell in love with a Philistine woman. Um, He was a man of passion and love. It was often ill-directed, but... um, That's what it was. And so he falls in love with this woman and they go and they make a deal with her to betray him for the price of silver. Once more, it's the same story, isn't it? Jesus was betrayed for the price of silver by one who he loved. With, with Jesus, he was betrayed with a kiss. And in this case, Samson is going to fall asleep in this woman's arms as he's betrayed. Um, he, she says, tell me your secret. And at first he resists. Tell me your secret. And at first he resists. But Samson, Samson wants to trust. He wants to believe that he has love and he wants to trust. And there is something about, maybe you've discovered this, there's something about sharing your secrets that like having someone where you could tell them the secret things of your heart that just binds you to someone in love. And it's, it's who we have in God. We're, we're accepted by him. We can tell him anything. Samson longed for that, but he, he picked the wrong person. Eventually, she says to him, if you really love me, you tell me. It's the same thing the other Philistine woman said, and that didn't work out for Samson. But Samson tells her, if my hair is cut, my power will go away. I don't know how he knew that. Maybe he figured it's the last of his Nazarite vows that he hasn't broken. And anyways, um, verse 18, it goes like this. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to the grinding, they set him to grinding grain in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow after it had been shaved. So Samson is not an especially sympathetic character. Like I see, he's, he's a wild, violent man. Yet nevertheless, when they take him and they gouge out his eyes, when he trusted this woman, you can't help just feeling bad for him. Now he's, he's in a, a dungeon, just blind in the dark, and he's, he's treading grain. But there's a foreshadow of what's ahead because his, his hair 
It starts to grow back. And I can tell you, and you're going to see this more very clearly, um, the sufferings of Samson is a foreshadow of the one um, whom his whole life is a foreshadow of. So sometime later, when the, the Philistines... Um, Verse 25, while they, the Philistines, were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Oh, he perf- can you imagine? They're mocking him, and they're making him perform. He's in the dark. We just, we just saw in the story of Jesus how they, they, before he was crucified, they mocked him. And he, they, they're forcing him to perform for them. Um, when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowned with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Hear this part. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one side and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died, then while he lived. Okay. Samson saves his people with his death. Now, let's just, let's just remember how, what we've seen thus far. His birth was foretold by an angel, a miraculous birth. He was anointed with the power of God. He was driven by a passionate love for his enemies. He was rejected by his own people whom he was sent to save. He allowed himself to be bound. He returned. Though they rejected them, he did return to be their judge. He was betrayed for the price of silver. He carried the gates on his shoulders up the hill. And now he saves his people with his death. And now watch this part. Watch this part. Because this, I read this once. And it has not ceased to amaze me. There's details written here. There's details. So he knocked down the temple and he killed them all. His hair grew back. He got the strength back. But look specifically what it says. Look specifically what it says. Bracing himself against the pillars, his right hand on the one side and his left hand on the other. That's how he died and saved his people. You see, there's a story hidden in the Samson story, isn't it? And once you see it, you know someone planned this. Not only that, apart from Jesus, the Samson story doesn't make any sense at all. He's a man who's a maniac. Yet God gives him great power. But now that we know what the story is real about, we can see something. 
the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to 21. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me break it down for you. Samson, he died a death. Samson, a man who was not deserving of anything good. Samson died a death that identified him with the Savior. This has been called, and this applies to all of us, this has been called the great trade. The great trade. God gives us his righteousness, and he takes our sin. Samson dies a death of glory. Jesus. Jesus died a sinner's death as a criminal. Um, he who knew no sin, he, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What we're gonna do is we're gonna share in communion, Okay? Samson, Samson is the one we can identify with, not deserving of the blessing of God. But what did Samson do? What is the only thing that he did to his credit? Is he cried out to God. He cried out to God when he was thirsty. And this great story, it, it isn't about, it isn't about thirst for water. It's about thirst for life, for forgiveness, for salvation. Just as Jesus was on the cross and he said, I thirst, identifying with us. Here we are. We're gonna come, we're gonna share in communion. And this is what I want you thinking as, you, as you're walking up here. I'm a sinner like Samson. And Lord, I thirst for this forgiveness that was purchased on the cross, this great trade that you would bless me, that you would bless me, just like Samson, don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Lord, but that you would bless me, for this is why his blood was shed, so that we can have forgiveness. The one who was without sin took sin upon himself, so that sinners like Samson and myself and you can have life. Um, that's... That's the great story that all other stories point to. Um, Father God, I pray that we could understand that as we come and share in communion. We could understand that we're just sinners who are thirsty. Thirsty for life, thirsty for forgiveness, thirsty for you. And Lord, because your blood was shed, because sin has been paid for, we can come up accepted and forgiven. You who loved sinners, even as Samson loved his enemies, you who loved us, God. We, I pray in your name, Jesus, amen.